Here we go. The psychology of fitness. 13, 14, 15. I'm taking concepts from the psychology of money by Morgan Housel. Trying to abstract it a little bit to the principles and then applying it to fitness. So probably checked out the previous episodes. Oh, maybe you didn't actually. I should say you probably didn't, but check those out. Uh, did 1 through 12 and have been batching these. So today I'm recording on December 2nd. Does that matter? Maybe this will make it feel old if I schedule this out. I think it will be like around Christmas time. Anyway, if that's the case, just be proud of me uh, because it's, it's been a long time since I was posting week to week. And hopefully this can give some people motivation heading into the new year. December. Hopefully I can do like a January update or something like that and say that, hey, it's only been one week in your time, the listener's time, and but it's been a full month for me and I've completely transformed my body uh, and my health and my mindset. And we'll see. Uh, but I do think that doing this series of podcasts has been good for me in a lot of ways just to think about fitness um, health, then also to dive a little bit deeper into a topic. Sometimes I feel like I get distracted by a lot of different ideas. So just feeling like patting myself on the back a little bit, trying to get through this, but I can already, I, I feel that resistance as you're getting towards the end. That's like from Stephen Pressfield in War of Art. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but uh, he talks about Right as you're approaching the end, you can see the finish line, and that's when you can feel the most resistance. If anything, hopefully I've posted up to 13, 14, 15, and then there would be three more to get to 20, or two more to get to 20. And then we'll see from there. Right now, I, I think I mentioned this previously, but I have this foot pain, and we'll check back in a month. I'll do a January update like in real time. Um or I should, we'll see. Uh, but to see how this goes. So right now, my foot kind of hurts uh, on the right side, which is not great. I think it was from running two days in a row and like trying to do sprints on the second day. And it was good, felt good, but uh, feels bad now. So we'll see how that goes. I'll try to adjust. And oh, actually, I can relate it to one of these things. But let's dive in. So number 13, room for error. So uh, this is from The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. He says, the most important part of every plan is planning on your plan, not going according to plan. The Mike Tyson thing is everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And there's other wisdom that is like, it is still, it is valuable to make a plan, even though you know it won't go according to plan. Uh, there's a lot of thinking that goes into things and you're going to avoid, it'll, it'll be a much better situation than if you didn't have a plan at all. So another story from the psychology of money uh, in this chapter, he talks about card counting. And then uh, the, the description here is the card counting system works because it tilts the odds ever so slightly from the house to the player, but bet too heavily, even when the odds seem in your favor. And if you're wrong, you might lose so much that you don't have enough money to keep playing. So that's the end of the quote. In fitness, it's not usually worth risking your health, but a trade-off does come to mind. There are situations where you might feel un under the weather, not not feeling it that day. So, do you want? Do you do your workout if you're not in tip-top shape? Then, and it is you know 
situational. So there's the downside. You might risk losing sleep for early workouts, too much sleep loss, and you can't recover. Another downside, you might risk getting sick if you do too hard of a workout and your immune system is low or something like that. Uh, the upside is this personal knowledge, uh, just the satisfaction for yourself, knowing that you pushed through. This reminds me of Atomic Habits with James Clear, where he talks about the best workouts being the ones where you go into the gym, you don't feel good, you don't want to work out, and you still do it anyway. And that's it's the whole thing of, it's e- it, you know, a, a truism that it's easy when it's easy, but the value comes when you're able to do those hard workouts. And then another upside is that often we just don't push hard enough. And I push way harder in group classes than at home. Sometimes I think too much, like getting back to one of the earlier chapters that I talked about where you want to be reasonable, you don't want to push and get too crazy. And you can lean too far in that direction to where, like with my foot, I probably went a little too hard uh, the second day and did tweak my foot a little bit, but it was satisfying definitely immediately after. And even now I'm like, Oh, it was cool to do that workout and push myself a little more. And we'll see how long like this foot pain lasts. And we can see if it was, if it was worth it. And it it does become that thing of, um, and even now, like right now, it's that question of, am I uncomfortable or am I, am I hurting? And right now, unclear i think i'm I'm guessing if i warmed up a little bit and i the pain would not be so bad and i could work out but who knows if that would be damaging it further actually probably like experts know but i'm no expert so um the um other side of this chapter room for error is this oh it is just the idea of room for error making sure that you have a contingency plan again like your plans will not go according to plan and for fitness you can't always be in monk mode. So you can't always have that perfect schedule where you're waking up at 4 a.m. You're going to do do your workout for an hour. You're going to write for an hour. You're going to read for an hour, meditate, do all this stuff. Might be something that works uh, in your earlier days. Uh, might work for a short, ter- short amount of time, but uh, it just becomes hard to sustain for a long period of time. And it can be good to assume that you'll miss some time that you've blocked for fitness and have some kind of backup plan. First thing, though, this is why it's good to do morning workouts. You can plan for the mornings better than in the evenings. If something comes up during the day, you usually have to take care of it in the evening. It's not going to wipe out the morning following it. Um, But yeah, back to this. So it's good to have those back pocket workouts. That's a term from Pat Flynn and Dan John. I think I might've mentioned that in an earlier episode, but it's when you can't do your full workout, what are you going to do? What would you do in a hotel room? What if you don't have access to your gym? Do you have a body weight workout? Recently I was just in Washington and, uh, with my parents and, um, we don't have a lot of equipment there, but they have this old kettlebell that I left there before. I think it's not even, I think it might be like 25 pounds, uh, so I was able to use that and then run around the block and get a few workouts in. Not, not ideal, but it was good to do something. And you can do things like 100 burpees, whatever it is. Um,
And I mentioned this podcast before, Reasonably Fit. Something that I like about Jason and Lauren Pack's Instagram account is that they'll post these night workouts because uh, they have um, a young child, I think an infant. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I forget, but they have kids. They can't always work out. And they'll or work out at like ideal time. So they'll do a later workout, like 8 p.m., 9 p.m., and then show like what they eat after that. And it's good to just see that, just see people that make it work. Uh, even when the time is not ideal, they find a way to fit it in. And then the last thing from the book, The Psychology of Money, he says, to get around this, I think of my own money as barbelled. I take risks with one portion and am terrified with the other. So with this, again, you don't really want to risk your health. And so uh, an example of maybe like a small amount of risk could be doing like a 24-hour fast or something like that. But otherwise, I can't really think of like too many reasons that you would want to risk your health, like really truly risk it, because the upside isn't – there doesn't seem to be very much upside compared to – some of the, I guess, like opportunity in finance. And even then, you know, it's the whole thing. Don't risk more than you can lose. And that's not fine. That's, that's gambling. So let's get on with number 14. Um, from the psychology of money, n- number 14, chapter 14's title, you'll change. Long-term planning is harder than it seems because people's goals and desires change over time. That's the end of the quote. And actually, I'll jump into another quote. He says, I know young people who pur- purposefully live austere lives with a little income, and they're per- perfectly happy with it. Then there are those who work their tails off to pay for a life of luxury, and they're perfectly happy with that. Both have risks. The former risks being unprepared to raise a family or fund retirement. The latter risks regret that you spent your youthful and healthy years in a cubicle. That's the end of the quote. And... It is this thing of, uh, he he talks more about career in here and that we often can end up choosing careers in high school uh, and then definitely like in college and then you can kind of stick to that career forever just because it's the career that you've always been stuck to. And in the same way with fitness, there's a lot of different beliefs for uh, the best kinds of workouts, the best kind of nutrition. And probably one of the worst things you can do is just be stubborn about sticking to one of them when it stops working for you. And I guess like the reverse, I guess is true too. It's probably good to stick to something. I I guess I have more of the other problem that I don't stick to different programs long enough. So I'll just program hop, but I don't know. It's uh, kind of like pick your poison, and that's where it comes back to being reasonable. But I guess this is more 
the idea that things change over time. If you can do long-term planning with fitness, that's great. I've talked a lot about this idea of in my 20s, wanted to just lose a lot of fat, but I wished that I had focused more on building muscle and really should have just played more basketball. Uh, I remember thinking like, oh, I can only play once a week. I'm getting older. I'm like, I think I was probably like 23 or something like that. Um, and that was just foolish, I guess. Even now I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, I should, you know, this gets back to like the risk and reward thing of, um, it seems risky to play basketball. Like as I get older, uh, it, I mean, my foot hurts right now. Don't want anything to happen to my knees and like rolling an ankle sucks more as you get older. Um, but the reward is probably there. I guess that's an example I should have used in the previous section is the idea that the reward of playing sports is oftentimes worth the risk. Uh, just how much you can get out of it and how, how much fun and camaraderie you'll get out of it. Here's another quote from... The Education of a Bodybuilder by Arnold Schwarzenegger. He says, So once a week, I took a training partner and drove out into the country with the weights. We limited ourselves to one exercise for a particular body part. I remember the first day we carried 250 pounds into the forest and did squats for three hours straight. I began by doing 20 repetitions with 250 pounds. Then my partner did whatever he could. Then it was my turn again. We ended up doing something like 55 sets of squats each that's the end of the quote actually I, I had like four paragraphs here from that book but he just talks about these trips out and then it starts to become this party in a way not a party but i mean it does sound like a party okay so i'll just continue reading he says further on we made it a regular thing we brought girls out there to cook we made a fire outdoors and turned the whole thing into a little contest we worked hard but we had a good time after the muscle shocking sessions we drank wine and beer and got drunk and carried on like the old-time weightlifters back in the 1800s or early 1900s. That's the end of that quote. And yeah, he just talks about this time, and I'm guessing he did not, he was, wasn't able to just keep this up uh, for the rest of his life. Even Arnold Schwarzenegger changes. And this, isn't, this is a phase of his life, and sounds fun, but then also there's just the cost of it, which is... Um, being so very very sore but it probably built some kind of discipline and there's also it a lesson in there about first it sounded just terrible in a way like very painful um probably good for discipline but then they added things to make it more fun uh brought more people had more food that sort of thing um and yeah, back to the idea, You'll number 14, you'll change. Long-term planning is harder than it seems because people's goals and desires change over time. Still, it's useful to plan out, at least like have a vision for a few years ahead, and then it's that longer-term planning is good as a compass, and know that uh, the short-term planning, like the closer you get to, the, the shorter term it is, the more specific you can, you can be and stick to it.
I'll move on to number 15. So in the psychology of money, the chapter title is nothing's free. Everything has a price, but not all prices appear on labels. He says, uh, Morgan Housel says, everything has a price. And the key to a lot of things with money is just figuring out what the price is and being willing to pay it. The problem is that the price of a lot of things is not obvious until you've experienced them firsthand when the bill is overdue. Further on, he says, like everything else worthwhile, successful investing demands a price, but its currency is not dollars and cents. It's volatility, fear, doubt, uncertainty, and regret, all of which are easy to overlook until you're dealing with them in real time. That's the end of the quote. And it's interesting now to read this. I read this last year, probably, I think it was last year, yeah, for the first time. So 2021, things were going great. In the economy, uh, 2022, less so. And it is that whole like zoom out thing of, um, and maybe it's untrue. It was like a great decade and all that. But, um, even in that great decade, you zoom in on any particular year, there's going to be ups and downs. And yeah, if you zoom out, the past decade was probably like, um, you know, it slopes up. But the cost of that long-term idea is that you do have to live through all of the ups and downs throughout that. And here's how it applies to fitness. It's that successful health demands a price. It's discipline, sacrifice, difficult mornings, saying no to foods that you like, maybe saying no to events that you want to go to because um, you might not be able to control your cravings there or that you have a workout the next day that you don't want to miss. And a re reversal of this idea that I wrote down here was that fitness requires being proactive versus long-term finance when you're fighting the urge to do something when you need to do nothing. In a way, this is more to do with working out than with nutrition. I would say a lot of times, I'll say like for my specific case, uh, where it's mostly that I need to not eat when, when there's, uh, a craving comes along for like something sweet. I want a treat. Um, and I need to do nothing. And that's probably closer to like, Long-term finance, where often the advice is to not react to things and stick to your plan. But for movement, strength, all of that, it requires being proactive, but not reactive, I guess. That would be the idea, is you have to find ways to build movement into your day, uh, find ways to lift weights, do cardio, all of that, find ways to um, find 
activities that you like. On another side of this, there's the cost of overtraining to go too hard in your performance. And eventually you pay some price because you wanted the shorter term success. And I think there's a nice reversal here with Ronnie Coleman. One of my heroes when I first started lifting weights. I, I would love to say like um, I'm super jacked now and it's because of inspirations like that. But yeah, I bought like a couple flex magazines uh, in high school and yeah, just enjoy and appreciate his dis- discipline to working out and all of that. And yeah, he has paid a price longer term. There was a documentary a few years ago, which was pretty sad. I, I think it's on Netflix, but. You could see how much trouble he has moving, that it's taken a toll on his body. Everything that's gone into being the top bodybuilder for years took a toll on his body. But I read this interview and someone asks him if he regrets any of it and basically says no. And he just talks about an instance of something that he did regret. And he says that he regrets some moment where he was trying to squat 800 pounds and he did, but he regrets not doing more reps in that set. He says, I went a little bit low on the second rep, but I had two in my mind, so I racked it. And as soon as I racked it, I was like, oh man, I could have got five. And till this date, I'm still regretting it because I didn't get that five. That's the end of the quote. And yeah, I mentioned that that's a counterexample, but it also is representative of the idea that everything has a price and it's up to you whether it's worth it to you or not. Maybe that price wouldn't have been worth it to him if he placed third for 10 years in a row, but that's not the case. He was first for nearly an entire decade and for him that was worth it. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. 14, 13, 14, 15, room for error, you'll change, and nothing's free. Except this podcast. So tune in next time for 16, 17, and 18 of the psychology of fitness.
Thanks for listening.